1: Anything goes. Motto of the show
0: let your Greek flag fly. Probably the only good advice I'll ever give you is to rehide your whips and chain. Here is your host, Kathy. Hey, welcome to the Strictly Anonymous podcast with Kathy. If you haven't followed me yet on Instagram or Twitter, follow me at Strict Anonymous if you want to be on the show. It's called Strictly Anonymous because I change everybody's voices. I change everybody's names. People email me from phony emails. You could call me from a block number. I just want to hear your true story if you have a true interesting naughty story that you want to talk about while remaining anonymous you could be on the show you could go to strictly anonymous my website and click on be on the show or send me an email strictly anonymous podcast at gmail.com or go to instagram or twitter you could dm me there but the best way is to send me an email if you go to my website strictly you click on be on the show it's just going to pull up my email and you can send it right there if you just have a confession that you want to get off your back, you could call my confessions line. I changed the voices over there as well. That number is three four seven four two oh three five seven nine. That's three four seven four two oh three five seven nine. You could call that number and confess anytime, twenty-four seven. I don't call people back there. I don't text people there. So Don't call me up to say hi, but you could leave a confession there. I I air all those on my Patreon, on my patreon.com slash strictly podcast. Those confessions, I think I said, right, I change your voice on there as well. If you want to talk to me on the DL, I offer that. I don't air those episodes. I charge for those. Uh, The link is in the description if you want to sign up for that. Most people use that option because they have a problem or issue that they want to talk to someone about that they can't talk to anyone else about I love those calls you could set that up like I said in the description if you're listening on a podcast app make sure to subscribe to my show if you love my show give me five star it helps today I have on Lyra now Lyra is the girlfriend of Carlos who was on recently Carlos was episode 589. Carlos is into non-monogamy, BDSM swinging, polyamory and more. And Lyra is into all that as well. They're very well suited. I don't know if you listened to Carlos's episode, but I loved it. He was so interesting and informative. So well spoken. Uh, if you haven't listened to that episode, go listen to it. Lyra is exactly the same. She's very well spoken. She's super interesting. She's very open and she's into all the same things as Carlos and I mean she was into those things before Carlos except for the swinging he got her into that he talked about in his episode how you know he was very into BDSM but it wasn't sexual enough he's a very sexual being so he needed that swinger world in his life as well and he combined them too and then when Lyra came into the picture she was Polly before him she was bisexual she was but she wasn't into non-monogamy or anything like that even though she was poly and she'll explain all the differences and stuff he's uh, you know Carlos is the one that got her into the lifestyle she uh, gets into that she did have an orgy in college and she talks about the interesting way that orgy came up but she was always poly from the get go we talk a lot about her interest in poly and all of her relationships dating men and women dating you know men and women. And at the same time she has right now currently three boyfriends carlos and two other guys she talks about the what kind of relationships they are is anyone more important than somebody else she breaks that all down she's very into bdsm she's a masochist she explains why she is into that why she likes pain i think it's important to hear from a woman who likes to You know who digs pain why they do it and why she's interested in it because I think people who's not into that kind of a thing sometimes just assumes someone's coming from a dark place or like a place of you know trauma and that's why they like it. Uh, but she explains it all. She's very into shabari, which is like that intricate rope tying. I think that Carlos called her a rope dope. She's very into that, but we talk mostly about her poly relationships, the kink world, the BDSM world that she's been involved in, as well as how she got into the swinger world with Carlos and how she's getting into that, the foursome that they had and The sex camp, summer sex camp that they go to and all that kind of good stuff. So anyway, she's very informative. She explains everything and breaks everything down really well. So it's a great listen. I'm going to be right back on with Lyra. This is the Strictly Anonymous podcast. Uh, Hi, Lyra. Welcome to the Strictly Anonymous podcast. How are you today? Great. So listen, Lyra, I had on your guy first, Carlos, who had his own interesting story. But when he was like talking about you, I was like, oh, she sounds like she has an interesting backstory. Let's get her on the phone separate to talk all about your life, because you are in a relationship with Carlos. He's into BDSM, swinging, all kinds of stuff. You guys have been non-monogamous since the get go. And what he told me about you is you have always been non-monogamous in your life, uh, so I'm assuming you've had some lifestyle experiences, or I don't even know what uh, before you met him. But let's talk about that. Like when, I mean, how old are you now? And you've always just been non-monogamous. Yeah, so
1: I am 31. Okay. Um, and the the funny story about my history of non-monogamy mm-hmm. is that when I came out to my mom this summer. Or last summer, I can't remember. She had the funniest reaction because she told me this story about when I was seven. Mm -hmm. I apparently came home from like elementary school. And and was, like, announcing that, like, I wasn't going to get married, that I was just going to be with a bunch of people when I was older. And apparently my teacher had thought this was, like, coming home from my family environment. So I have no idea where <laughs> my seven-year-old brain found the concept of non-monogamy. But, you know, when I got into high school and, you know, started really dating, I... I somehow already had that concept in my head and I kind of, you know, got on the internet started searching around different words and I found this concept of polyamory and it just immediately, immediately clicked with me. And so kind of from the get go, I was, you know, gravitating towards that direction. And then pretty, pretty soon when I arrived at college, I got kind of my first real world exposure to the rope scene and to BDSM, things that I had also already kind of been exposed to on the Internet during high school. And it just immediately clicked as what I needed in my life.
0: So you were like, I'm fucking Polly, and I'm in b- you're into BDSM. Now, you're sub or you're the sub, right? You're sub. In that yeah. World?
1: That's an interesting thing because I'm definitely a masochist. I'm definitely a bottom. I have kind of varying relationships to the word submissive. But on the complete other flip side is I'm a shibari rigger. So I do rope suspension as a top.
0: Right. Okay. Meaning you tie other people up. Yeah. Okay, yeah, so you yeah. like to do that. Yeah, I had a one guy on that was like very big into Shibari. It was like the first time I ever heard of it. But let's go back to the whole poly, con- the concept of poly. I mean, because that always boggles my mind. I've said it millions of times on my show. Like I find it hard to love one person, let alone five or three or have more than one relationship. Relationships are so complicated. Have you always been poly from the get-go? I mean, listen, obviously you were born this way. Like at seven, you were already... Uh, you knew who you were. So like, when did you have your first poly experience in real life? Like with dating multiple people?
1: Yeah. So my first poly experience was in college. Um, I was dating two different women. I actually met one of them through the other. Mm -hmm. So I was on a date contradancing with the first woman and met the second woman that same kind of night at a diner. We all went out, um, to a midnight diner after dancing all night and you know the the connection the the kind of intoxication of that crush was there immediately with this second woman and i had already talked to the first woman about the fact that this was my identity i'm Polly. this is my inclination this is part of who i am and so for her it really wasn't startling or abrupt to see me have that chemistry with someone else and it, it blossomed pretty quickly into a poly relationship so i was dating both of them they were not dating each other and uh kind of both of them stayed in my life kind of a little bit in and out for the next two years until you know we kind of all moved on to our next
0: relationships and lives Wow. So you were keeping those two relationships going. Now how what if you're dating two people at the same time? How does it work with holidays and birthdays? Like do you spend it's your birthday, right? Who gets to hang out with you on your birthday? Is there somebody that becomes like a number one relationship and number two, is everyone equal? I think different poly people have it set up different ways, correct?
1: Yeah. So the kind of language we use around that is hierarchical versus non-hierarchical poly. So I think when I was in those kind of first relationships, I didn't really have that vocabulary. And I also wasn't really at that place in my life where I was bringing people home to my parents on holidays. Um, but as I've gotten older, you know, like end of college, that's definitely something that I've navigated for a long time now. um, I think most of the time my poly tends to be that kind of hierarchical poly in some way, which means that there is someone who fills that primary slot, right? Mm -hmm. Who is the person who my parents know. um, Although my parents have actually met multiple of my partners at the same time. So that's not foreign to them. Who's who's there for holidays, who my extended family meets, all of that. But at the same time, I also don't really love that language of hierarchy or non hierarchical because even though I have that primary, I I actually have a another term for it, which is like anchor partner. He's the person who's my anchor. I live with him. I love him. He's part of, he's, you know, at this point, practically part of my family. But my other relationships are in some ways just as important. They just fill a different hole in my life.
0: Right. Okay. So now... You're also bisexual, I would assume, because you're dating women. I mean, your first relationship was. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And so you always just put it straight up, straight out when you're on your first date. Like, listen, this is who I am. Because I know that that's how Carlos rolled when he got here to the States. That was his story. And I thought it was super interesting because it kind of just goes to show if you're very clear about who you are, and what you want, and you put that out, you can find people that are totally in line with what you're interested in. You know, Carlos found two women he's had non-monogamous relationships with because that's what he decided he fucking wanted. You're like, I, I'm i Polly. I'm going to date who the fuck I want, you know, and you have only had those kinds of relationships. Have you always just been straight up, like right from oh, the yeah. get-go?
1: Right from the get-go, I am honest with my friends. I'm honest with the people in my life. I gravitate towards dating apps when I'm on them that kind of serve the poly community. You know, everyone in my life knows that I'm poly, uh, probably save for some coworkers, But I've always just kind of put that identity piece of me really kind of front and center so that it's never a shock to anyone.
0: There aren't many decisions bigger than having a kid, but for many women, their fertility is the big question mark. I know it was for me. It wound up taking me years, okay, many years to have a baby. And that's because I was totally clueless about my fertility status. And that's why Modern Fertility was created. It is an easy and affordable way to test your fertility hormones at home with a simple finger prick. All you do is mail it in and you get your personal results within six business days. You'll get insights into your hormone levels like your ovarian reserves and all the other important factors that impact your fertility. And you could download the results to review with your doctor. Traditional hormone testing costs a lot, like over $600, okay, if you went to a fertility clinic. But Modern Fertility tests are only $179. And if you go to modernfertility.com, slash strict anon, you're going to get $20 off your test. That's right. Right now, Modern Fertility is offering my listeners $20 off the test when you go to modernfertility.com slash strict anon. That means your test will cost 159 which is a fraction of what it would cost at a fertility clinic, at a fertility clinic. Get $20 off your fertility test when you go to modernfertility.com. Dot com slash strict anon modern fertility dot com slash strict anon or just go to the description and click on the link. What are the dating apps for poly that are that are really good or specific for that lifestyle? (sighs)
1: Yeah, I'd say the one that I have the most luck with is something called Field, F-E-L-D. Yeah, yeah, yeah. mm-hmm. So that's been really fun. And so one thing that is also a piece of this story for me is that I really identify deeply as Polly forever, right? Like, this just been part of my life. Yeah. But much newer for me is exploring kind of more swinger ethical non-monogamy dynamics. So the kind of Less casual, more pickup, more in the moment sexual connections. That's been newer to me and something i've been really exploring and engaging with with carlos um, that's kind of started with our relationship he in some ways introduced me to that part of myself mm-hmm. and so uh field is also a great way to engage sometimes with those kind of dynamics so he's the when first, traveling
0: so he's <laughs> the first one that got you into that so when you were doing like these poly relationships they're not throuples. Like when you were dating those three, those two other women, you're not all hooking up together. You're not like having threesomes. I think some people think, oh, if you're poly, it's like it also includes group sex and all that kind of stuff. And that's not the case. Like it's typically you keep your relationship separate and you weren't doing the, that kind of stuff before Carlos.
1: Exactly. Before Carlos, there was almost no kind of group sex, three ways, anything like that involved in my poly relationships. I wasn't a couple orgies in college. It was fun. Um, But they really had nothing to do with those kind of Bigger relationship dynamics. They were all very separate. I was very much dating people individually, and they they knew each other. They certainly knew of each other. They probably texted each other, but you know it wasn't group sex all the time, like people imagine sometimes when they hear Polly.
0: Right, right, right. And no, now when if you're Polly and you're you're dating those two girls, they also date other people as well, correct? Like that's um, not how it works.
1: Absolutely. You know it. We all go through varying stages of our lives where we're dating one person or two or three. And I honestly don't remember how often either of them were dating other people, but I definitely know they were during that
0: time. And what do you think is the key to being in successful poly relationships? Because I've had poly people on and a lot of times it just goes fucking south, you know, (laughs) for whatever reason. I mean, you have, you're like a professional poly. It's like, like you said, it was just how you you're born, what you were wired for. How, what do you think is the key to being successful and having, you know, running multiple relationships at the same time? You know,
1: I think it's I think it's three things. Honesty, transparency, Mm -hmm. and accountability. And you know, people might think that honesty and transparency are the same thing, but they're really not, right? Explain the difference. Honesty means, you know, you're not lying, you're not sneaking around, you're not doing anything on the down low. But transparency means even if someone doesn't come out and ask you, you know, are you dating someone else? Are you seeing someone else? Are you starting anything? you know, you're being upfront and transparent about that with your partners. There isn't that kind of lack of trust or lack of communication around new connections, around how you're engaging with the people who are in your life. And so those are really important. And then the other piece that I call accountability is kind of more complicated, but Polly, in a sense exists on this premise that, you know, first off we are many of us who are, I engage in this lifestyle are capable of loving more than one person. That's part of us. That's how we're built. Yeah. Um, But it also comes with this idea that like, maybe not, everybody you're dating is really designed to meet all of your needs and so by engaging with more people I get to have my needs met in different ways by different people yeah and that's awesome right and the accountability piece there is not becoming overly dependent on any one of my partners Mm -hmm. in a way that I'm expecting them to drop everything to meet the needs that they're filling in my life because they also have other connections. They also have responsibilities to other people and I need to honor that. And I need to check myself and not suddenly be demanding that level of monogamous commitment from someone who I'm engaging in a polydynamic with.
0: Right. So there is none of that, or that is very like a big no, no as far as in like in that world, because I feel like sometimes in relationships there are times when people maybe would be more dependent on a relationship because of life. I don't know. Right. I mean.
1: Yeah. And like, that's why I use the term anchor partner, right? Carlos is my anchor. If I need someone, Carlos is going to be there. I a hundred percent and fully trust that, but that doesn't negate the fact that there are going to be times when he also needs to be there for his other partners. Right. And Mm -hmm. I need to respect that. And I need to be communicating my needs in a way that, yeah, like if I'm in the ER, he's going to come and be there with me.
0: Right. You But gonna have if someone I have for some that. more yeah.
1: trivial need, he, he might need to prioritize one of his other partners over where I'm at. And that's OK.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, how? Because you're a human being. And I would assume that, uh, of course, jealousy and, you know, butthurt feelings are going to come up. It's only natural, correct? I mean, and how do you deal with that? Is that where the whole honesty thing comes into play? Like you just got to be, you got to talk that shit out? Yeah, you got to talk that shit out,
1: right? You got (laughs) to...
0: be clear with
1: yourself. I mean, part of it is being honest with yourself when you're jealous. I find that sometimes, especially when I was early into figuring out the poly dynamic, I just get really angry and frustrated and pissy and not even realize that I was jealous. And so half of it is checking in with yourself and owning up to jealousy Mm because I think there's a lot of shaming within the poly community of like, oh, if you're jealous, it's a bad thing. It's like, no, come on. Jealousy happens.
0: That's what I would think. Yeah. I mean, if you're it's realistic. Life. I mean, give me a fucking break. It's going to come up. You're human. Right. I mean,
1: exactly. Exactly. And I think the the piece of it, though, is to not blame your partner for your jealousy. Right. To just accept that. Yeah, this is going to happen. It's something you got to be honest with. It's something you've got to work through. Maybe you need to shift how you're going about your poly. Maybe you need to ask something of your partner that you weren't getting before. But it's not your partner's fault that you're jealous.
0: Right. But you but it is uh, like if you're in these kind of relationships, if you're on the receiving end of that and your partner comes to you, it's also about honoring how they feel. Right. And not because I think sometimes some people might use that kind of lifestyle or get into that and think that, oh, it's like this magical world where none of that shit's going to happen, you know, and if they have a partner come to them, like I'm jealous or I don't, you know, they're going to be like, well, you're not allowed to be because we're in a poly relationship, you know, right? Like, I mean, you have to be accepting of those kind of things also like on the other side, if your partner comes to you feeling that way.
1: Oh, a hundred percent and you know i just have no tolerance for that kind of language of oh you should be jealous right and but it happens to someone I'm sure. out of their feeling
0: don't you think though that is that common though or no i mean like i would oh, think some very... people would use that as an excuse to be like i'm not dealing with any of the bad stuff in any kind of relationship you know like that unrealistic person that just thinks they're going to get all the positives not the negatives you know
1: Yeah, I would say it's extremely common in people who are new to poly Mm -hmm. and still trying to figure out. Like, it's pervasive. Yeah, And I think it's also, and this is really unfortunate, but it's common that there are people who are kind of trying to put on a show of being poly yeah. when really what they're looking for is ethical non-monogamy and permission to sleep around and so when you have people trying to engage in a poly community who maybe aren't really oriented that way I think more of that crops up
0: yeah that's because I think that there's a fine line and some people might think that that's what they're looking for but it's really not they just want to be non-monogamous which is a very different thing
1: yeah Absolutely. They're very different. And sometimes you got to try one until you figure out that you're looking for the other. And what I've also recently learned is you can actually kind of do both. Like in my current setup, I have three different pretty committed relationships going on and that's my poly, right? And then outside of my poly, both Carlos and I are in some ways total sluts and
0: yeah, hook we up get into and play that. with
1: other people and yeah but that's not my poly that's swinging that's hooking up that's ethical non-monogamy and in my brain those really are two separate things
0: I think so too for sure now so what so how did that whole thing come up and so it was Carlos was the first one that brought you into that world correct
1: yeah I knew the world existed Mm -hmm. I hadn't really dabbled in it but my connection with Carlos was just from the get-go really really sexual and Mm -hmm. I had been in threesomes I'd been I had a big orgy in college these weren't foreign experiences for me but we just had this sexual energy this sexual connection and pretty much the I think it really was the first night I met his other partner who was actually at the time more of his primary than I was that really shifted in our dynamic later in the relationship we had a really hot threesome and it was (laughs) really awesome and that really opened up this new possibility for me that I just hadn't entertained before
0: wait so when you met carlos he was with another female dating her and you had a threesome with him in his primary at the time i don't know that i remember that but you know i talked to so many people oh
1: yeah no yeah he so he was dating another woman yeah and that was really more of his primary at the time and the three of us that other woman me and Carlos had a threesome pretty early on in in meeting each other I think it was actually the first night
0: (laughs) and you were like oh this is kind of hot I mean that because that was like your first kind of experience like that where you felt connected to somebody but also like I mean the two worlds were sort of coming together
1: exactly exactly
0: so that other relationship like you're obviously his primary he's your anchor now so that girl fell by the wayside and then you guys could stay together
1: yeah i wouldn't say fell by the wayside they're still together
0: oh okay Um, it was was more just a shift in
1: (laughs) shift in hierarchy shift in dynamics and
0: oh and now do you still sleep with her
1: um, we've definitely hooked up a couple of times, uh, not recently, but it's definitely on the table as a possibility.
0: Right. And you could see her. Have you ever seen her separately or is it always threesomes together?
1: In this case, always threesomes together. <laughs> there isn't that separate dynamic.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. When does he start bringing up the whole swinger lifestyle world to you?
1: Pretty early on, it was the subject of conversation, mm-hmm. um, But it really started with us going to this kind of summer camp for adults that is BDSM oriented, where it's kind of just a week long, amazing series of events and classes and different hookup scenarios and just being immersed in a whole ton of people who were interested in the same things that we were, um, that kind of conversation just became really real really fast and we just had a lot of fun and from there on out we just kept kind of seeking out different environments or connections that were moving towards that more like swinger um, more casual sexual encounters
0: yeah because that was a big thing for Carlos, cause, and he was like one of the first people who's really into BDSM that brought this, that also was into the swinger world. I know that he said that that summer camp you go to is like, that's like the perfect place because it is kind of a blending of those two. There is a lot of sex and there's BDSM going on as well. Correct?
1: Absolutely.
0: Yep. And so you were into the BDSM world before him. And is that how you found it to be like, not so sexual
1: Absolutely. I would say a vast majority of the BDSM world really isn't oriented towards sexual encounters. Yeah. There is much more emphasis on the kind of BDSM acts than combining them with sex. Yeah. And so it's actually been really interesting over the last year kind of navigating the scene and trying to find those places and pockets that feel more sex positive and feel like they have a healthy integration of VSM and swinger kind of lifestyle that feels like we can kind of explore that mix
0: in. Right. Because there's not a lot of that. Or do you find Absolutely. that maybe sometimes when you do find those two together, there's something dark there or it's not positive. Is that what you're saying?
1: Yeah. So one of the kind of culture classes that you have between the two is around consent. Yeah. Um, in the swinger culture, there is a little bit more of a expectation that by simply arriving at the venue, you have kind of opted into a certain level of very direct kind of sexual approach, you know, very kind of immediate kind of, hey, do you want to hook up without much kind of lead in, in some venues, it's even kind of seen as appropriate to put, you know, a hand on someone's waist without talking to them first and that kind of looseness around consent is just absolutely not accepted in the BDSM scene. Oh yeah, because there could be
0: a lot of trouble there. I mean, you know, I-
1: Yeah. You know, one of the things that I really value about the kink communities and BDSM communities that I kind of circle in is that there is a lot of conversation about how to establish kind of clear standards of consent in the community how to make sure everyone feels safe how to make sure there's kind of people to talk to if something does go wrong places where we can resolve it but the reality is that's not necessarily true of all kink bdsm communities yeah um and there are definitely places that do kind of tolerate those gray areas and you know maybe have this atmosphere of permissibility that really isn't healthy considering the riskiness of the kind of behaviors we're engaging in yeah. um, as far as how someone could get really hurt not just physically but emotionally and so you know one thing i would say to anyone listening to this and kind I of interested in exploring especially if they're interested in exploring that intersection between swinging and kink or non-monogamy and BDSM is to just kind of dip your toes in and get a feel for the community, vet it, make sure it feels up to your kind of safety standards before engaging. Right. But one of the things that I really love in King BDSM community is we do something called negotiation, Mm -hmm. which is before you're going to engage in play, you talk about what the expectations are, right? You talk about what types of acts you want to engage in. But a lot of people, and I see this a lot more, talk about why they enjoy what they do. And we're processing that in the moment. Mm -hmm. And as a masochist, I am telling my top or the sadist I'm playing with why I enjoy this and what I get out of it and where my mindset is that brings me to that masochism. And I'm also hearing from the sadist, kind of their journey towards embracing sadism and understanding where that comes from in themselves. And for me, that kind of honest dialogue and being able to talk about it is kind of really protective.
0: Right. And now, why don't you explain to people where you're coming from <clears throat> as a masochist? Because I think that uh, it's really Im- important for people to hear from that woman who's into that and why she is.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think there's two pieces of it that to me, and it's funny, I was just talking about this with Carlos last night, have to be present Mm -hmm. for, you know, BDSM to work, right? For my masochism to click on in a really happy place. One is I truly enjoy the physical sensations, right? Mm -hmm. I truly enjoy the depth of sensation that you get, from, you know, a really great vlogging, uh, <laughs> It's just, it's physically amazing. Mm-hmm. And my brain really does process it at a certain point as pleasure in this really interesting way that, you know, can be hard to communicate outside of the scene. Mm-hmm. And then the other piece of it is that has to be accompanied with this kind of exchange of energies between the two people. You know, when you talk about that more, Toppiness and bottom, and submission, and you know, power dynamics. All of that is this really unique way of exchanging energy between two people right. and establishing and entering into this way of really intentionally relating to another human, right? And so when you combine that kind of ability of my body to process pain as pleasure, that interest I have in the almost physical overwhelm of a masochistic sensation with that really intentional construction of energy and relationship between two people in that moment it's intoxicating
0: right and did you always know you were a little masochist I mean you knew you were poly like did you always feel like you had this thing for pain
1: um I think I really discovered that through dipping my toes into BDSM and figuring out what worked for me. Mm -hmm. I think I always knew from being exposed to it that I had an interest, but it really took me a long time of careful exploration to figure out exactly what parts of it worked for me and what parts of it Didn't work for me. I think one misconception that exists kind of out there in the vanilla world is that like old masochists enjoy all pain. Yeah. And they're all looking to be beaten black and blue or something. Yeah. 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 And it's so (laughs) not true. Right. Right. We all have really clear preferences and needs and desires around what kind of pain we like and where we like it and how we want to be given that pain. And really establishing that part of your identity takes a long time and it takes experimentation and it takes receiving sensations that you love and receiving sensations that you decide you don't like and you say, Nope, I'm good. Let's not do that anymore. And that's totally okay.
0: Yeah, well I listen. When I asked Carlos for some pics, he sent me some pics with so, like, you bruised up on your fucking ass. I know (laughs) that you like the flogging you brought that up. I was like, oh, these are too hardcore for me to put up because I feel like people would just go mental about stuff like that. Because, like I said, I just do think in the vanilla world there is a lot of confusion about the BDSM world. And... So I always think it's very important to have somebody like you who, you know, look, here you are with all this bruising all over, but like you dig that you, you know, that's a pleasurable experience for you. That's not an, it's not like a dark thing that's happening.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely my happy place.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Tell me what well, you keep talking about your orgies you had in college. Is that like, is that like a one-time drunken thing that happened? Oh, that was such a weird night.
1: <laughs> um, honestly, uh, we had a friend who was um filming an audition for porn. And what? wait, wait, what they was made that? this just very matter-of-fact request that they thought it would be easier to get in the mood if there was an orgy happening in the room. And I lived in this community of people who were just kind of game for anything. So we said, sure. And we literally scheduled an orgy. We had a line that if you cross that line, you were consenting to potentially being in the background of this porn audition film. And the orgy was happening on the other side of the room. And the the noises were the background.
0: start over there was somebody in your college that wanted to get into porn and they had to send in an audition tape is that what you said yeah okay so how many people showed up at that orgy nine nine and everyone yeah. just did everyone
1: yeah a lot of us did it. a lot of us yeah
0: <laughs> did word get out in that college community that there was like a big orgy that happened
1: Oh, absolutely! Our reputation was the sex storm. <laughs> I actually had my college advisor when he looked at my registration for classes the next semester. Go, wait, isn't that the sex storm? And I was so so turned red right in the face, knowing that this this was a reputation on our campus.
0: Oh my, that's a little inappropriate. Who this? was this? Your college uh, was it a guy? Advisor. He was like that. That's a sex dorm. You live there. He was probably yeah. I, I switched advisors. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, that is a little like that's inappropriate. appropriate. But so now, do you guys go to swingers clubs and stuff like that now? Besides that summer oh, yeah. camp thing that you go to, are you in the lifestyle pretty hardcore we've, now? We've just
1: been starting to explore swingers club. Um, we went to one. I think it was about a week ago. That was the most swinger versus bdsm club we've been to um, mm-hmm. and that was a really fun experience we had a great foursome with a couple who were friends with um and we're kind of in the process of talking about what other venues we want
0: to explore next and now do you enjoy seeing your partner with other people was that always something for you or did you used to before you got into the swinger community with carlos like were you interested only in like one-on-one sex
1: yeah, I think before before these last couple of years, my interest was primarily one on one sex, but right. that's that's really changed. Um, I you know I still love one on one sex. Don't yeah, yeah, get yeah. me wrong. <laughs> um, but there's just a really fun energy of having multiple people in the room connecting with each other.
0: Right. That's so group really sex. Fun. And yeah. now, do you guys have any rules or anything? Like, I mean, what's your guys' deal?
1: Oh, not at all. Just honesty <laughs> and condoms. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we have an expectation that we're checking in with any of our other partners or whoever we're hooking up with about STD status and safety and all of that. But as far as like kissing or hooking up with anyone of the same or opposite sex, like it's it's all fair game.
0: Right. It's all open now. How many part now? How many other partners that you have right now besides Carlos? I have two pretty significant relationships in my life besides Carlos and.
1: I have been in these same three relationships for the last year.
0: So and now it's, are it's they a men or poly. Both men, right? Both now. men. So three guys. And now do you miss women when you're just having only relationships with men or is it, but you could go out and have casual sex if you wanted to, correct? And you're doing that. You're yeah. going to swingers club. So it's not like you would have to, you would miss that. No,
1: I could go out and have casual sex. I could go out and pick up a woman if I wanted. I could start dating a fourth person and that be a woman. And for me, it, really doesn't feel like something I differentiate between much. It's like random that I'm dating three men right now. It could be three women if the circumstances had played out that way. But I don't really find that I miss sex with one sex or gender or the other. Right. It it doesn't it doesn't feel significant to me.
0: Right. It's like you're just fully present in whatever you have at that moment. And I think sometimes maybe you miss it more if you think it's not on the table. But for you, you could go out tomorrow, like you said, and meet a woman anyway. So it's like, what are you missing? It's just it's a matter of time that you maybe will meet somebody. And then if you like them, you're allowed to be with that person. So I guess missing doesn't come into play, right? Yeah. And now Absolutely. what? Yeah. Um, and so now, how many other relationships does Carlos have? Um, he has that kind of original woman who he was with when he
1: met me, and then uh, another probably slightly more casual relationship with someone who's who's uh, a bit more local, who they see each other
0: usually about once a week. Right. All right. Well, listen. You know. I feel like we covered everything. I mean, is there anything else you want to bring up that you think is important to say? Because I feel like you're very uh, well-spoken.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the most important thing to say is you know, for those of you who are already enjoying this kind of a lifestyle, awesome. And for those of you who aren't, if the curiosity is there, great. And if it's not, Polly isn't for everyone. You know, I think one of the unfortunate things that I see sometimes is this kind of pressure yeah. to explore kink or pressure to be poly or pressure to be ENM mm-hmm. and you know my hope is everyone just does what's right for them and takes it slow and is honest with what's working and what's not
0: yeah right and i i mean i think like a lot of people like you said in the beginning maybe they realize that they're into poly but it's the ethical non monogamy <clears throat> but you know how do you really know unless you try things out but I think what's most important is to be open and honest with whoever you are because I don't think most people are poly I think a lot most people would have a hard time it's not the majority but like somebody like you that's just how you're wired and people that are that way that's what's right for them you know 100%. Yeah. And there you go. All right, Lira, thank you so much for calling in. If you could send me pics for my Patreon, that'd be great, but not ones where you're fucking bruised up like Carlos sent <laughs> me. I was like, I cannot post those, Carlos. It's too much. <laughs> I will. I will. All right. Just like anonymous pics. They could be sexy. I always say, like, nothing X rated. They could be R rated. That's what most women send in, but, you know, nothing with like the bruises. He, like, he just sent me some hardcore pictures. I'm like, no, that's a little too much. So anything like, are rated as fine, sexy pics. But thank you so much, Lyra. Right. Thanks for calling in and telling your story. Right. And it will definitely be up on a Friday. Great. Thank right. you so much. Thanks, Lyra. Bye. Bye. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode. If you want to follow the show, follow me at Strict Anonymous on Instagram or Twitter. That's at Strict Anonymous. If you are on YouTube, make sure to subscribe. I love YouTube